We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live with our 1320 Kings insider uh, and creator of the Kings beat, James Ham. James, we were really excited uh, to play some sound from Demonte Sabonis that you took here just a few minutes ago, uh, but... You know, they started playing some music. It wasn't the easiest thing to hear. So how about I just ask you, how receptive was Domas to Mike Brown's press conference last night? You know, it's really interesting. If you if you heard last night uh, Kevin Herter and then uh, Harrison Barnes today and then Sabonis, sorry, they, I, like it sounded like someone was dribbling a basketball on my phone. <laughs> I, I don't That's know. All right. Like sometimes it, it, it's like that. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that when you look at, uh, like the way that this group has received the message from Mike Brown all year long, it's something that, that both Harrison and Domas talked about is that there's been a consistency that it doesn't waver. There's nothing that's wavering with Mike Brown. He is coming at them the same exact way each and every night. And I'll say this too, um, whatever Mike Brown tells us in the media, it's something that he's already told his team. Mm -hmm. And so we've had this disconnect before where a coach will say something to us in in a post-game press conference and just go back a couple of years, like before COVID, it used to be that the coach would come out and talk and then they would release the media. We would run around the corner, like down a long hallway and go to the locker room and then go in and talk to the players directly right afterwards. Now we have this, this thing where they bring up two players. Sometimes the players come before the coach. Sometimes they come after the coach. So a lot of times, like our, our job is to react to what the coach is saying and then go ask the players about it. And so we haven't really got a lot of that because we might get a player, we might get two players in the locker room, but it's after hours of waiting uh, sometimes. And, um, so I think this was a unique situation where we got Mike Brown, um, then we were able to ask Kevin Herter about it, and I thought Herter was spectacular last night. And it's the same thing. Like, all of them were saying, like, the message is the same. Whatever you guys just heard, we already heard it. Mm-hmm. We heard it at halftime, and we heard it after the game, and we heard it last week. And, you know, even Harrison Barnes brought up, like, this isn't the first time we lost a game. We almost lost a game because of offensive rebounding. He's like, does anyone remember Steven Adams like killing us on the boards and, and winning a game with Memphis? Uh, Like we know, but you know, it's good. Like the consistency is here all year long and they're all bought in. They're they're all still like, it's working. We're not going to argue with what Mike's doing. 
Hey, and what'd you think about the uh, the game last night? I thought I thought that was a playoff like game uh, from the from the start. I mean, I thought the intensity was there in the building. I thought the two teams played um, with the level of intensity. The the Knicks bring a level of defensive intensity that you would probably think you would see in the playoffs. Um, there were some pluses and some minuses, but at the end of the day, they came away with the win. But what did you think about that uh, that game last night as a whole? Yeah, I mean, the fans were incredible. Like, hat tip to the fans again. Like, this city is so ready for the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I cannot wait to, to be in the building for these upcoming playoff games. And, like, at this point, you can say it. Like, the yeah. chance of the Kings falling out of the actual playoffs is is virtually nil. Uh, but just the way nine <laughs> percent yeah. in a basketball reference. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just the way that uh, the the building is responding to every single big moment. I mean, it's really crazy. Even the groans, you know, from the the fans. Like, if you don't think the fans understood that offensive rebounding was a problem last night, uh, you're wrong. They they were all over the team every single time. I mean, there were possessions where they got four offensive rebounds in, in one possession, and I thought. For one of the few times this season, the Kings actually played really good defense. Mm. They just didn't finish the possession and get the rebound. Mm -hmm. And uh, to see a team shoot 17 more shots than their opponent and lose, that's pretty big. That means that you did some things the right way. And and not only did they do them the right way, James, they did them a different way. Like, we have numbers that we look at. The assist number was up. I think it was like 28. But Kenny always talks about 12 plus threes, 12 plus threes, 12 plus made threes. They hit 10 last night. They still got to 122. Uh, they had 17 less possessions, uh, as you noted, than, than, than the New York Knicks. Still got to 122. Still found a way to win a game, despite getting cussed out by your head coach immediately <laughs> after it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and look, they've gone 7-1 and one since the break. Yeah. Like, it, cool. But yeah. he, he said, uh, Mike Brown had a really interesting line today at practice. He said, uh, like we keep reminding them that slippage can be invisible, mm. and, and I thought that that was such a an intriguing line for me. I, I watched, I mean, the Knicks they missed a lot of threes really badly, and I know like I'm not just going to say that it was all long rebounds and bad luck, but a lot of it was. Like there were so many rebounds that were just flying off the rim and and going. 12 feet away from the basket to where a Knicks player was just happened to be. Um, you know, clearly the Kings have to do a better job, especially on a guy like, uh, like Hart. Like you just can't let a guard go in and get 15 rebounds, including eight offensive. That didn't make any sense. Like put a body on somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a problem with everybody. That's, that's one where it showed you like, look, this was an, it, an everybody issue. Like mm-hmm. all eight or nine guys that played all of them, failed on the defend on on the uh defensive glass um but he still won the game yeah, yeah. I, I kind of felt like um last night it was a, a bit of an anomaly they haven't there's been certain games like harrison pointed out where you know they've had offensive well the other team offensive rebound rebounding issues um but it, they've been fine the kings have been fine as defensive rebounders for most of the season last night was just one of those things where it was like this is crazy. Like you can't almost you're in the matrix. You can't get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And um guys like Josh Hart and, and Hartenstein and, and Mitchell Robinson, they almost like it became contagious 
and they almost kind of got in the zone the way shooters get in the zone with like rebounding an offensive rebound. They they tasted it a little bit and they were they got thirsty to get more because they're like, hey, I, I like that. I want to get after it a little bit more. And the Kings just couldn't stop it last night. But uh, let me know what you think, James. I don't think that's indicative of a problem this team routinely has, or am I off on that? No, I mean, they're seventh in the league in defensive rebound percentage. They've been in the top five almost the entire season. So have they They had some, like, regression there? Just a little bit, but not a whole lot. And And sometimes that's because, you know, you're going with different lineups. You're going smaller at times. You're using Trey Lyles as a, a center at the backup center for more minutes now, which means that your backup, that your four is going to be smaller. You know, so we're seeing some trickle down as far as like smaller, small ball lineups. Um, I had noticed like over the last like month or two that we hadn't seen hardly any of Kevin Herter at the three. We saw more Kevin Herter at the three last night. We saw three guard sets with Monk, uh, Monk, Mitchell, and Fox. So we are seeing like some smaller lineups, which, uh, the Kings like because they can get out and run, but it does hurt you on the on the glass. And, you know, you can't just rely on Sabonis to get every single rebound, especially when they're flying off the rim. The one guy early on in that game, I'll tell you, that I thought did a really good job of rebounding outside of his zone. So, like, your rebound zone basically is, you know, maybe a bubble of, like, six feet around you, and that's your zone. But the like the long rebound stuff i thought keegan murray did a really good job of chasing down rebounds that were flying off the rim at weird angles and stuff mm-hmm. and then he didn't play a lot and i don't know why that was maybe it was a matchup issue that mike saw uh it's also like trying to temper his minutes to make sure he gets some bounce back here um uh, but he was i thought he did an excellent job on the glass early in the game and they they went away from him a little bit you, you real quick i was just yeah. going to mention Look, I know I bring this up with these guys a lot. I'm not saying this is how it should be. I would love for them to do it a lot more than what they did. But I mentioned it earlier, and I'll, I'll say I'll ask you your thoughts on it, Ham. You know when they stopped giving up offensive rebounds? In crunch time. <laughs> Last, like, five, six minutes, they stopped all that. They got defensive stops or whatever. And I don't know what it is with this team that they can't do it more during the game. But when it gets down to crunch time, it seems like they, I don't want to say flip a switch because they're not like lights out, even though they're statistically they're pretty good. But they do turn it up a notch on the defensive end and whatever's going on, if it's defense or if it's rebounding, they turn it up a notch and they, and they get a little bit of level of focus. And I noticed that towards the end of the game last night. They kind of stopped all that offensive rebound stuff in the last five, six minutes. Yeah, you know, going back to the Memphis game, that was not the case. They specifically mm-hmm. lost that game because they could not get a, a, a defensive rebound in the last, like, two minutes of the game. And I'll bring up something too. Uh, John Bull says something in, in the chatty house uh, that, uh, you know, the Kings are a team. We like a lot of people were concerned that the Kings were, they were going to watch other teams gear up for the playoffs. And the Kings have not uh, been in this situation before. And all of a sudden they are one of the teams that you feel like are gearing up for the playoffs that are getting better and I, I mean, I think that that's a surprise to everybody involved, whether it's Mike Brown or it's that, you know, even some of the players, like, I think this is surprising the way that they're continuing to excel, but it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy thing. Like once it starts to happen, you just keep making it happen more and more and more. And all of a sudden the Kings are finding like their legs within this playoff chase where all of a sudden, like I even wrote about it, like maybe three, four games in where 
I don't think that they're the hunted. Like we kept saying our, you know, this is a moment where the hunters become the hunted. And I don't think that that's the case. They, they still feel like they're hunting. And, uh, and it's something that I don't think anyone fully expected. Even, even Mike Brown, Mike Brown is like talked about this as much as anybody about how after the, the all-star break, that's when things get really, really tight. Um, and the Kings have just done an absolutely magnificent job of rising to the challenge. And it's, it's interesting to see because they haven't been through this before as a group and now they're doing it. And I I think it's, it's fun to watch, but it's actually, it's really stunning. You mentioned this regarding Keegan. Were they watching uh, De'Aaron's minutes last night? Or did it just they work out that way? No, he kind of got in foul trouble. And then he got poked in the eye. Was that like, was the other thing. Yeah. He got poked in the eye. Like I had, I was sitting next to Sean. And, you know, Sean has this camera that can <laughs> zoom in from like a million miles away, uh, like super, super close. And uh, it's very like, invasive hey, that Sean Cunningham is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not a. If he ever becomes a private detective, he's not someone you want chasing you around, like <laughs> watching to see what you're doing. Um, yeah, he's able to like zoom in on their bench. And I said, "Hey, Fox looks like he's messing with his eye. Can you zoom in?" And sure enough, he was sitting there on on the side. Uh, like he he went in around I think the eight minute mark of the second quarter. And came out at the six-minute mark, yeah. and then missed a bunch of times. So, yeah, his minutes were uh, were sort of, you know, diminished because of the injury. Okay. Um, we kind of we we got into Delmas and everything that happened today. Were you surprised at the way Mike Brown approached the press conference last night? No, no. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, like the players knew the bright lights were there. I think Mike Brown knew the bright lights were there too. Um, uh, like, Oh, like it was a lot more than James Ham in the building today. So he was going to let his team have it a little bit. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's one of those things where I, I thought he was really, really good. He was passionate about it. And, and, and that's not to say that his team isn't had, you know, hadn't had some slippage, what he's talking about. I agree with him. Uh, but I thought it was interesting to see him call out De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis by name. And say the leaders need, this is a moment where the leaders have to uh, like get on their teammates in the moment on the floor and say, we cannot, we have got to rebound. We've got to do these specific things. We've got to get better in the moment. And those are the guys with the big voices in the room. And they have to be, that's where they're taking their next step. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But I also, like, if you're Mike Brown... And you've been through this before. You were part of the the Cleveland Cavaliers as they built up to their playoff runs and, you know, where they got better and better. Uh, He was part of, you know, some great runs there in in Golden State um, where you get to a certain point in the season and you see some some things that aren't going quite right and you need somebody to say something that's not your voice. Uh, it's, It's what every coach will tell you. The moment that you see your team pull themselves together and say, okay, this is a problem and actually problem solve themselves without having to you sit there and coach them through it. That's like the moment that you feel like you've made it. And I, I think that that's where Mike is now. He's, he's gotten through all of these steps. Now it's like, okay, I didn't know that I would be at this stage where in year one, where now it's time for me to start cranking up my leaders and saying like, if we're going anywhere, it's you too. And I need you two to figure it out right now, how to make your teammates better, how to get on your teammates, how to hold the players accountable in the moment. And I need it now. So uh, it's just another part of the buildup to the playoffs. 
Um, but again, like who knew that we would be in this situation right now where, where Mike Brown is having to like go to like, you know, skip to chapter 14 in the book of, of things that he's got to teach his team on the fly. Do you think, uh, cause we were just talking about this, um, a little bit before you came on. Do you think De'Aaron Fox has changed in that, like in, in what ways? Like last year we were saying, hey, we need him to be a leader. We need him to, you know, talk, communicate, all this other stuff. Do you think he's the same Fox in that respect? He's just, you know, maybe got better teammates around him or whatever. Or have you seen him uh, be a different person when it comes to vocally being a leader out there? I think he's a better player. And and I know that that's not one of the options you gave me, but like as far as like the things that you're looking at, when he decides he's going to take over, every one of his teammates are in awe, just like everyone else is. They're they're not in awe as in they're just standing there watching. They're they're working hard to get him open. They understand what's happening. They see it happening, and they're embracing the fact that they have a a guy who's going from, you know, fringe all-star to all-star to possibly all-NBA right in front of their eyes. They see it too. And so that's the type of leader that I think he is. He's a sarcastic, like, snarky guy. Uh, you saw him and Monk in their, like, sort of goofball moment in the uh, in the postgame. Um, and, and he has those moments, but he's also, he's pretty quiet. And you're watching him, like, command respect with his play. And I think that that's something that we didn't know. Like, of course, he's capable of doing that. But to this level, where all of a sudden he's like the best clutch player in the NBA, one of the best scorers in the fourth quarter in the NBA, a guy who's in the top like 14 in, in scoring in the in the league. Like, we didn't know that he could be that player. And I don't think his teammates knew coming into this year that this was a leap he was going to take. We just, Domas just casually went out and had a triple-double for the second game in a row. And we were talking to Chris Herring of SI about this earlier. Do you think Domas is underappreciated league-wide? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, without any question. Like, even when the Kings traded for him, like, I knew Domas. I I had watched plenty of him. I knew he's a really, really good player. Watching him on a nightly basis is just, it's so workmanlike. You know, the dude just brings his lunch pail and his hard hat to work every single night. Mm-hmm. And you just, there, there's such a, when, when you can go from using a pencil on stats to using a pen, it's, it changes everything for a coach. When he knows exactly what he's going to get from one or two or four or five players, it, that, and you can start relying on it each and every night. I've never seen a player outside of Jokic and maybe like Russ when he was really rolling Westbrook, um, that you could almost pencil in a triple-double every night. I mean, if he was concerned about having a triple-double and and was focused on getting a triple-double, he would probably have 25 on the season, maybe even 30. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got nine. And he's how many has he missed by one rebound or one assist? How many has he missed by two rebounds or two assists? And, and he always says it, you know, the only way he said it today at practice too, the only way for me to get a triple double is if my, my guys hit their shots. Mm-hmm. So like a triple double is a team thing. It's not on me. Like if I get a triple doubles because my guys actually hit their shots. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I guess the reverse of that is he's blaming his teammates for uh, all the triple doubles he doesn't have, <laughs> but that's not really what he's doing. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the guy who's going out there 
and he's not worried about stats. It's just happening, and it's really, really fun to watch. You know, the crazy thing about it is I was sitting there watching the end of the game last night, and, you know, I saw his number. I think when he got the triple-double, it's like, oh, Domas has a, a triple-double. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, this guy really is like a, uh, you know, a smaller, not smaller physically, but like a smaller production-wise or whatever you want to say, version of Jokic. Like he's a poor man's Jokic or whatever you want to say. I got to thinking, I was like, nah, he's better than that. That's disrespectful to this guy. Put up 24, 13, and 10 last night. Like, what? So, what What does he need to do? Does he need to be 30, no, I, 20, no, I know. and I, I, And, I, and like, we mentioned this earlier. Um, we, we teased it, as we often do, and never went back to it because we got sidetracked doing something else, as also frequently happens here uh, on this show. But I think the same is true for, for De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Like, Jokic get, and, and Joe, they get those, like, 50... 12, and then like a 9. Or I think Jokic had like a, a, a 40, 15, and 10 this year. Mm. Domas just consistently does the 20-something, 15-something, 10, 11-something. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have the big, gaudy number, I think that you know what, what really separates. And Dame is on like this historic like scoring run, mm-hmm. or has been on this historic scoring run. People would be talking about, De'Aaron's scoring a lot more if he had like 160 in there. If he had just gotten like a 60 or a 50 in there because that seems to like spring people's attention more than, no, he's just consistent. He's dropped 30 like 10 games in a row. He would have been better off dropping 36 games in a row and then hitting a 60. I think that would have gotten people's attention more. (laughs) I think it's it's that gaudy number that's missing. Yeah, it's like the old baseball uh, commercial, the chicks dig the long ball commercial, mm-hmm. um, where you know so so many people are just focused on home runs. And at the NBA level, I'll even I remember this uh, this story with Matt Harpering, where Matt Matt Harpering had been like just a really really good solid NBA player for a long time, but he was in a contract year, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to average 18 points a game, and he did that he got paid because he averaged 18 points a game and he went, he went right back to being the player he, he should have been mm-hmm. because he, he understood that him scoring 18 points a game wasn't helping his tem- team win anymore. It was just making him get more money. And it really does come down to scoring average. I think when you talk about what separates Sabonis from some of these other guys, like he's second in the league in um, what is it? Win shares. Yeah. He's second in the league in win shares behind Jokic. Like he's one of the most mm. impactful players in the league without any question. He's taken a team that won 31, 30 games last year and they're at 39 with 17 games remaining. I mean, what he's been able to accomplish is just absolutely crazy. And he's doing it under the radar in Sacramento, which is kind of like who he is. He's a workmanlike blue collar guy who goes in there and gets crushed. And I think that might be the other thing. He's not like this... Um, this physical crazy like you look at Jokic and some of his like wild fallaways and stuff or you look at Embiid and how uh you know he hits you with the three ball and then all of a sudden he gets downhill like those guys just do it in a flashier fashion and that's he I think Sabonis fits perfectly in Sacramento Hmm. he just does he's he fits the town he fits the type of player that you needed but uh, he just goes out there and brings it every single game and it again like watching uh 
DeMarcus Cousins on a nightly basis, some of the things he could do, like as a man that size, you like the whole time you're like, I can't believe how he just ran full speed down the court, did a 360 spin between his legs, contorted his body to cut through three people in the lane and finish without running six people over because that's what you assumed he would do. And it was just, he's so gifted athletically. And I think you're starting to get that appreciation for Sabonis where you just start to expect greatness from him every night. Me too. Uh, I do expect greatness from him every night. Same with uh, De'Aaron Fox, and it's why this thing has worked out so well. And I think it's why Mike was comfortable singling them out last night because he knows how they'll respond. Mike had another moment, uh, and you posted this clip on um, – you posted this clip on your timeline uh, last night as well, and it's where Mike specifically was speaking about De'Aaron Fox and how he thinks De'Aaron Fox can get to an entirely another level uh, of a, as a superstar. And it and it felt like in front of you know the national media that was there last night for that game, he was going to let everyone know how great his players are, and and I think Domas's and particularly De'Aaron Fox's case how great they can be moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he is campaigning so hard for both of them to be all NBA. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Sabonis is a shoe-in for uh, second or third team all NBA. It depends if you can make him a power forward in the in the uh, like voting. Um, but he's he's so close to that. I mean, I, I think it's, it's probably a no-brainer at this point. Um, Fox has a tougher, you know, journey to all league uh, just because of all the guards that, you know, like the Western Conference, Eastern Conference, whatever. There's so many good guards in the league. And uh, and so he's going to have a tougher battle. But I think Mike's biggest uh, sort of take, the takeaway I had was he was telling everyone just that this guy can be maybe not LeBron, maybe not Kobe, but he's right there. Like if he wants to be, there's another level for him to go. And he doesn't understand it yet, but he's getting closer to understanding where he where he can be as a player and uh, that Mike is going to be there every step of the way to try to to get him to that next level. And you hope that that can happen. Um, I'm not sure if it can or not, if there there's like a much higher level that Fox can be in. But, uh, you know, and Mike even specified, like, it's not about like scoring more. It's about getting his teammates involved, playing defense for, for longer stretches and, and doing these other things that star level players have done throughout their career to be impactful in ways that, that don't always show up in the, in the stat book, they show up in the win column. And see, that's, that's what I was trying to figure out too. Like what's that next level? I mean, is it more consistent on the defensive end? I think the way the offense flows with like Sabonis doing a lot of the initiating, it'd be hard for him to get more assists on a on a uh any given night i feel like defensively i feel like he brings it a lot like he brings it a lot more than a lot of people at his at his position you know star players and guys that score a lot um so i wonder what like that next level was i kept thinking you know maybe consistently on a three-point shot but i mean is there something that you see that he could do a little bit more that could get to that next level that mike brown's talking about yeah, I'm not sure. Um, like, you're always, like, it, it, I think a lot of the time it's about mentality. Like, who is he as a person? Can he, does he realize that he can take it to another level? Does he realize what it takes to get to that next level? Can he, like, you know, turn it on and, and all of a sudden be that 
that next step up. And I don't know who like I would compare him to. I think that's the problem too. You you've kind of got to a spot where like he's so different than almost every other guard that you're not sure where that next level can go. And you're also like you know that a lot of his his success is built on speed and quickness and those are things that are like it's hard to separate him from other people it's hard to like like look and see how you know he compares um so i I don't know what the next step is for him um but i also know that like if he's going to take a next step i think there has to be like like one more mental adjustment for him to get him there like this was a big one where he got a taste of being an all-star um, you know, he's being mentioned as all league and he's, he's probably going to win the clutch player of the year and all that stuff. He's getting a taste for all that stuff, but you want him to not only like, like feel like he's one of the best players, but go out and, and take it on himself to actually be one of the best players in the league. And it's something that we've seen from a lot of these guys that I just don't think that that next step has happened for him yet. Uh, although he's been really, really incredible so many times this year. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more Kings basketball. We've looked back, so maybe we'll look ahead. They've got the Phoenix Suns tomorrow. We know how big uh, these two games that they have coming up over the next few weeks uh, with the Phoenix Suns could be for the standings. But also they've got the Milwaukee Bucks uh, coming to the Golden 1 Center on Monday. So we'll talk more with our 1320 Kings insider and creator of the Kings beat, James Ham, when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader, Steve one KC on ESPN 1320. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey, yo, what's up? It's the young bad boy, King Kong, and I'm here with my boy D-Lo and KC, ESPN 1320. You already know what it is, man. We can't stop. We won't stop. Bad boy. Man, them advertisers knew James Ham was on. They're like, yo, let's let's get in during the James Ham hour. Let's get in here during the James Ham show. Uh, we appreciate you so much for being with us. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button. Uh, as well we appreciate everyone being here obviously James how much fun is this for you you know you 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 did the you did the 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 corporate stuff for so long you've covered this team for so many years uh and you've been you know at the the the, the top of the list of a1 reporters for this for this for this franchise but you 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 did it through NBC Sports California that's a great job but now you get to build like your own platform you get to build your own thing and you get to do it in a year where this team is cooking. Yeah, I'm having a really good time. I, I really am. It's such a uh, a change mentally um, to be able to have the freedom to write whatever you want, to have the freedom to podcast and to go on the radio and do things like this all the time. Um, for me, it like the life change was was substantial, uh, and I don't I like I don't regret it at all. Like this is really really good. Uh, like just the, the mental toll that this team it, like puts on you year after year. Like I, I've talked about like in, I probably have covered 10, 50 lost seasons. And like, I don't know what people think, but you know how difficult it is to write 
like losing game recaps 50 times in a mm-hmm. season and then another two stories after that and just keep plugging away and covering like drama and relocation attempts and coaches getting fired this is my ninth head coach um i've what is my fourth front office but yeah my fourth front office um yeah so like you just get used to like the chaos and all that stuff this has just been a good group of guys uh a coach that's a complete breath of fresh air uh a coaching staff that it's top notch all of them are good guys it's a total family atmosphere for those guys for everyone around the team uh, to see young players get better and and players become stars and all stars, it it really has been one of those seasons where just like it feels like it's magical the whole time and you're always wondering like uh oh is it going to end? Uh, and you know of course it, it will end at some point whether that's in the first round or it's in the you know they they win a ring heaven forbid mm-hmm. uh, like you have no idea where it ends because they've played so well offensively and. You know, you just don't know what this team is going to be, but it, it's definitely been different. And I feel like still this late in the season to feel fresh and ready to, to continue and not have to watch hours and hours and hours of college game tape of prospects. That's been really, really nice. Yeah, no, it's the same way. This is usually, usually about this time is when I take a break from the NBA and I lock in completely on college basketball with championship week and in uh, the you know first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. And I haven't watched the conference game <laughs> yet, except for you know some random one like Toledo and and Ohio are playing right now. But as far as like at home, like setting my DVR to it, no, I'm watching the Kings. And if I'm not watching the Kings, I'm watching Lakers and Grizzlies because the Kings might be second seed. All this other stuff. And it is a change of pace. It is something that's pretty pretty fun to experience. And, you know, one of the things that I think about with this playoff drought, because we were talking about uh, the Knicks yesterday uh, and the drought that they broke a couple years ago. I was thinking about the Warriors, the drought that they broke. I think the, the Kings is a little different, not just because I'm closer to it, but because there was a lot of stuff that happened in between mm-hmm. there. Like, it wasn't just losing basketball. Yeah, It was they're going to lose this team and had to fight and pledge season tickets and, you know, relocation, all this other stuff. And that was on top of the bad basketball. And to make it through all that, we've got one of the first-class arenas in the league, and now you've got uh, one of the best teams in the league. I, I think that's what's going to add a little bit to it when, you know, they finally clinch that spot. Yeah, I made an entire documentary on that. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, my resume is weird. Like, if I were to like put, if I were working at a job where I was interviewing people and I, my resume slid across someone's desk, I'd be like, I don't think I don't know if I'm going to hire them or not, but I certainly want to pull them in here and talk about. Have some with questions. <laughs> I, I I got some questions. Yeah, like these walls can talk. Uh, yeah, so. It, it's been, I think for me, again, like 12 years of chaos. Like this is, this hopefully will be a really cool payoff. And okay, couldn't happen to like like a better group of guys. Like they talk about like culture and chemistry and how things have been missing and all these things. And y- you don't really know it because you're just stuck in the middle of their bad culture. There are times where you feel the bad culture for sure. But then 
like to see good culture and to see again again in game what was it yesterday like 65 uh to have a coach call out his two stars in a winning game when they've won seven out of eight Mm -hmm. because he needs to be them to be more vocal leaders and to see the accountability for this team and to have guys talk about accountability and how you know even kevin herter was like yeah like after the first month or two of the season we got it like this isn't going to shut off like this is going to be who he is the whole time he's coaching us and we have to adapt. And so like all of these things that kind of stack up, like, look, this is fun. You know, I, I I'm happy for Vivek. Like I've told you guys that yeah. like, if Vivek can win, like maybe the, the tide can turn on how people think of him, you know, I hope so. Um, and tomorrow could go a long way in securing their spot uh, in the playoffs, they have their first of two matchups over the course of the next uh, two weeks and some change against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Kevin Durant won't be available. He won't be available for either of those matchups. I don't think that's particularly a big deal. This Phoenix Suns team is very, very good. Devin Bucker doesn't give a damn who's on the floor with him. He's going to try to go for 40. He's very capable of going for 40-plus uh, every night. I got a feeling about this game tomorrow. I actually feel really good about the Kings' chances tomorrow. Part of it is because I look at last night's game, and one of the things that we talked about yesterday, and we were talking about this with Anthony Slater uh, before the game yesterday as well, they're aware of teams that they lose to. And I think they're aware of teams who kind of rough them up. The, The Knicks roughed them up at the Garden, and I thought that rebounding stat that they had yesterday was going to be a focal point. And the Kings looked really good rebounding against the Knicks for a half. If you just look at the first half, they rebounded really well. Anything that happened after that, that's, that's, that's different. But I think they were aware of how the Knicks roughed them up. They've dropped two to Phoenix already. Mm. And now this particular game, you look at where everything is at at the standings. You look at the situation with who's not there anymore and who hasn't played against Sacramento yet. I think the Kings know, hey, Ramp it up a little bit more. Go out there and 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 fight with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean the Kings know what that a win in Phoenix would mean. I mean you're already at this point you're three games up on them in the loss column. Um, you know they've already like the separation between uh, one two three four and five through mm-hmm. like twelve yeah. is now like seven or eight games. Uh, like the Kings understand that. I don't think that they're so much like uh like standings watching as they just kind of like they know where they are and they know what they've got to accomplish and uh i think beating the the suns it's another thing that you you kind of highlight that they need to figure out how to do you know they this is one of those teams that they could face and maybe they won't uh you know it clearly it doesn't look like the suns are going to be a team you face in the first round now but you very well could play it face them in the second round. And like, it's crazy that we're talking about potential second round matchups, <laughs> but like this could be a two, three matchup yeah. in the second round. And, and so you, you have to actually think about uh, those things and what it would mean to actually go out there and beat them and show them that you, you're of the same caliber and the Kings are much better against teams. The second time they play them, mm. they've beat, I mean, they've beat almost everybody. Like they're, you know, they beat Denver. They've, they've beat Memphis. They've, you know, even the teams that they're competing with. I mean, they're three one against the Lakers, three one against the Clippers. Uh, 
you know, they, they've gone into every single one of these games and got better the second time around and shown that they can, they can actually hang. And so, you know, you're going to have more of those games coming up when you look at the Bucks and the Celtics coming up uh, in the coming weeks. But um, just for right now, you need to show a Pacific Division rival, uh, and that's what it's become at this point, that you can hang with them and you can beat them. You heard it here first. James said the Kings will beat the Bucks on Monday. That's how I took it. <laughs> well, well, look, the, the crazy thing. Celtics sitting, are going down next week. I'm sitting there very thinking, and I think those are the only two teams in the league that haven't beaten. And Phoenix. So, so Phoenix. And Phoenix. And Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix, Milwaukee, three Boston. Have they played Philly twice? They lost to Philly twice. Okay. So not hmm. a So all twice. of the title contenders <laughs> on the uh, – they beat Cleveland, beat who's Cleveland the, the, the fourth spot over there. They beat them twice. Um, yeah. They split with Memphis. Did Toronto get them twice? No, they got Toronto once in Toronto. Okay. Uh, the Kings lost to Atlanta twice. Oh, uh, damn. Atlanta got them. That's yeah, right. Their own this one. list is terrible, Kenny. <laughs> Jeez. They split against I Charlotte. Only they two teams this at first. You know, they did beat the Cavs twice. <laughs> Kenny was like, "There's only two teams the Kings haven't beat." Until like he eight. thought about it. Until <laughs> we thought about like it. Eight teams now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, they're they're two up against Memphis. You know, they split with Memphis. Um, they split with Miami. Uh, they're down th- uh, two one to to Minnesota. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Miami, uh, their first one of the season was against the Heat on a Saturday yeah. afternoon at a Golden One Center. That's right. Why That's they funny. played at 2 p.m., I don't know. The beam lit at 4 o'clock. <laughs> There's something in the sky. What the hell is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? Just yeah. get that fixed. They still got two against, still got two coming up against Portland. Yeah, they, it's there's two against Utah. Two against Utah, yeah. One are against the Spurs. Yeah, the two Portland games are oh, in Portland. Yeah. They're on the road. What are the Utah games? Are those on the road, too? One and one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, they've got, uh, let's see, Utah on March 20th and on March 25th. One is at uh, Utah and the other is um, so uh, at Sacramento. That, second, that Utah home game is uh, back-to-back. Yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix is the night before. Yeah. 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 I think that's the last back-to-back of the season. They, they still got uh, they, tri- they still got Chicago. They like they got the Wizards. Yep. They got the Nets. It's next week, right? Yeah, yeah. It's next week. Yeah. We're starting to see the teams though that aren't going to compete and that are like this is that last stretch where there are going to be some teams that go okay, we're good, we want enough. Like it's time for us to to go backwards. So I don't think the Kings are playing any of those though. Well. Oh, have, I think Utah can be in that spot. Oh, you those okay. some of those guys already made the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San I got Antonio. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the, the, the that's saying it. That's the only one, though, right? Um, I mean, I, I guess yeah, it the, depends on how you feel about Utah. Utah's how you feel about yeah. Utah. What happens with Portland by the time they see them? Yeah, that's still that's a true. few weeks away. That's a good call. The yeah, Wizards call. and the and the Bulls are both fighting it out for the back end of the. Um, they're they're the ten and eleven seed in the in the East. And the thing I don't uh, think we like. I mean, Chicago like Billy Donovan might be fighting to keep people off his back. Like he might like a, a play in could be, you know, Billy Donovan returning next year. Would you say Billy Donovan fight for his life? He might be. <laughs> he might, which I think is ridiculous because I just don't think that Chicago Bulls team is very good. Right, right. Uh, and losing Lonzo Ball is, Oof, has been devastating tough, for them. Man. Just they spent a lot of money on players that that weren't of the caliber 
that you needed them to be and who haven't lived up to their contracts. Uh, hi, Atlanta. You just described the yeah. Atlanta Hawks to me. No, it's very true. Yeah, and then and then both teams I think have had regression from young players, which is never good. You know, that's something I think Trey is is regressed. John John Collins uh, has seriously regressed with. Uh, I can't with blame. Atlanta. I can't blame John. I can't. I can't blame John Collins for regressing when his name is brought up in a trade, like every moment he's available to be traded. So, like the Even, second the season's over and he's able to be traded, his name is going to come up in trade conversations again. Yeah, even before they uh, they paid him, he right. was already in trade rumors. You're like, man, what are you doing? Are they? Yeah. Where, where are they? They have they, managed. They're in the playing though, huh? They are. I think they're 500, right? 33 and 33. Good knowledge. The Bulls? No, no the the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks. They would. And oh they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're eight, so they're gonna. I mean. If they hold on to that, they're going to get two opportunities to get into the. <laughs> I, just, into the I haven't watched them in a while. That is just—I've said it before. I'm a broke. I do not like that team. I do not like them at all. I haven't watched that team in a long time. I do like Quinn Snyder, though. Man, they're uh, they're on. <laughs> I their forgot third head he's coach. their head coach. There. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. a Hawks game since he's become the head coach. Are, yeah, that, they that's that's wild. Epitome of average. They're oh, I completely forgot. And they are. Five and five in their last ten, and yeah. uh, so, so, so did did Quinn take over at the break? I can't remember how many. Yeah, yeah about about that, right? Five games, five games ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. I'm looking at these guys, but like I said, thirty three and thirty three, five and five in their last ten. Their point differential is plus point one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they are the epitome of my average. <laughs> Even Stevens. My goodness, Porzingis That's had forty three. Yeah, he was cooking in the loss. Yeah, Porzingis wow. out there getting buckets. Would you take Kristaps Porzingis? No, I'm just kidding. Nope. Those days are See, gone. Those days are over. Yeah, those. Those. Are did gone. we ask James the question? Um, no, we did because Alan Hahn asked us oh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, Alan Hahn of uh, ESPN <laughs> New York joined us for a few minutes after his radio show yesterday, and he asked, you know, in New York, you know, we we, we really like the team in New York, and we're you know we're thinking, hey, this is a, a great turnaround for them, and we're thinking about the future. And I look at you guys, you guys got this great squad here. Have you thought about the future? <laughs> and we're all like, no. <laughs> We're trying to get through this year. Have you thought about what like the off season might look like and what this team might look like in the years moving yeah, forward? Is this, is this the start of something? Like we haven't even thought about it. Like this is the start of something. Mm-mm. We're just like, Mm-mm. thank God we're here. Not today, devil. Mm-mm. Yeah, don't don't you jinx that. Don't you don't you look ahead. Um, no, I, like I haven't at all. I I think it's wild. Like when you've covered this team and you've seen so many bad moments. Like I, I even brought it up to uh, to Harrison Barnes today. I mean, Mike Brown is two wins away from being the second coach in Kings Sacramento history to put up a 500 season. Mm-hmm. Like only Rick Adelman has ever been 500 in a season, wow. and, and those eight seasons outside of that, the Kings have 20. I think it's 29 losing seasons. So like you can't look far ahead. Um, and you hope that they're building something, and they still have a shot at fifty. They're actually pacing right now. They're at sixty. They're they're six hundred win percentage. They're they're pacing for forty nine point like one wins. Wow. It's wild. So Jeez. yeah, I mean, I think this is. Uh, let's take it one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> let's enjoy each and every moment, 
and uh like you know like this is a good thing it's it's fun to watch they most of their players are locked up under contract mm. outside of um you know like back into the rotation guys and you know there's going to be changes for sure on this roster and they know they need to add stuff like what we talked about at the trade deadline it's not like any of those issues have gone away like mm. they still have issues that they need to deal with in the off season but for right now like you're this is a group you're going to fight with and you're going to war with every night and uh like this is it's a team that should be able to to do this more than one year alan's response was really funny he was like you're not <laughs> no like what thinking about the future no we try to we're trying to go one and zero every day so he was just like do, so man. surprised yeah. that we that we hadn't thought He's about like, this man, it's beginning two, of something new right? like no, sir. We're no. looking at two, three days from now. And 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 believe this this team this team could go to the Western Conference Finals. This this team could go to the Western Conference Finals, losing seven in quadruple overtime to there to 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 whoever. And and, and immediately once the off season starts, man, I hope we don't mess this up. <laughs> man, I hope, I hope we don't blow. What are we gonna do now? Like, there's going to be like a certain we level. We blew our shot. <laughs> we'll never get this close again. Oh. Oh, and don't let the officials get a call wrong. Not and, against us. Don't don't let the officials get a call wrong. But what if they never lose? What if they win it all? What if they what if they do? <laughs> what if they that do? That would be the story. That what would if be they the do? story. It's, if, it's 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 not. I yeah. I don't think it's crazy that this team comes out the West. I really don't. I don't either. Um, and I don't think it's crazy if you're on the Odyssey app or ESPN thirteen twenty or ninety eight point five. Uh, FM. I don't. I don't think it's crazy that if you want to hear uh, Chris Herring, you want to hear uh, Anthony Slater, you want to hear more from James Ham. You can. Don't go anywhere. We'll run it back next here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN thirteen twenty. Go Kings.